ECU. Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this Thursday, September 28th edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We are two days away from kickoff between East Carolina and Rice. It is our Thursday show of game week, so shortly we'll have Mark Yellock, East Carolina defensive line coach or former ECU defensive line coach in studio with us, also former ECU defensive lineman. He's joined us the past few weeks and he actually played against Rice as a as an assistant coach at McNeese State last year, so we'll have quite the scatter report on what to expect from the Owls. We'll also be joined by Matthew Bartlett from The Roost, a website that covers Rice football, so looking forward to that as well. And he was supposed to join us originally on Tuesday, and we got our time zones mixed up because that's just how things go. When you're in the American and when you're spread across college football, like this league is. But big game on Saturday. East Carolina, of course, coming in with their conference opener. They're at 1-3. and three. Rice is at 2-2. Two and two. The Owls have already played a conference game, and they lost to South Florida 43-29 uh, to 29 this past weekend. Although there was a situation with their quarterback, JT Daniels, got hurt. They were actually winning the game, so that was a... Crucial turning point. And let's learn more about the Rice Owls right now from a guy we talked to back in the summer when we were doing our previews of the upcoming season. Now we're going to reconnect with Matthew Bartlett from The Roost. He uh, covers the Rice football. Matthew, welcome back to the show. It's it's game week, man. Good to have you back on. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely, Matthew. So a lot of buzz, of course, about the injury to, to JT Daniels, and rightfully so, just because he's – such a an integral part already of this offense. I mean, just looking at the numbers, I mean, 400-plus yards in four and three quarters this past weekend, and then just the numbers he's put up are pretty impressive. So what what, what type of up, update can you provide at this point? I know there's no legitimate you know, college football injury report, but what can you say as far as the status of JT Daniels as we sit here two days out from kickoff? Well, official word we've gotten from head coach Mike Bloomgren at this point is he's optimistic that JT will be able to go. Uh, there wasn't any, there wasn't any season in, ending kind of injury or anything like that. And the, I guess the silver lining with a quarterback like JT, who, you know, he jokes this is his 15th year of college football is if he doesn't get any practice in, uh, he doesn't really need it to that degree. He should be able to go find out and go. So we'll see. Uh, they are kind of monitoring him, and it's going to come down, I'm guessing, really a game-time decision on Saturday to see if he can go or they're going to have to go elsewhere. So I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they have to go another direction too. When you look at what JT has brought to this offense and just watching Rice, it seems pretty different in terms of, you know, that. Clearly, Coach Bloomgren is an offensive line coach in his background, so I'm sure he wants to run the football. But it feels like with the emergence of JT Daniels and the emergence of this receiving core, they really have kind of built it around throwing the football this year. So how much has JT Daniels' presence changed how this offense runs? It's just everything. He's, I mean, you look at most of the, the counting stats, he's somewhere in the top 15, top 20 in the country among quarterbacks. He's a top 25 quarterback by QBR. 
going through, I guess, the first four games. So he's been he's been fantastic. And when you have a quarterback that is that good, you know, a, a good coaching staff, you know, would lean into his strengths. And so if you have that, the running game, you know, has struggled and not really gotten going yet. So, yeah, they have not completely reworked their offense. It's the same kind of scheme but they have definitely embraced taking to the air instead of making sure it's, you know, two, three yards in a cloud of dust. It's been fun to watch. If for some reason JT can't go this weekend, obviously the quarterback who stepped in last week, A.J. Padgett, he does have some decent experience, played a good bit last year in a redshirt year. So what do you see from A.J.? Is he considered kind of the future at the quarterback position there? I think it's really interesting because, you know, uh, a month ago I would have probably told you yes, and I still feel really good about A.J. He came in, stepped in the last two games of last year, and then played last week as a backup. Uh, A bit more mobile. Well, J.T.'s not very mobile, so a lot more mobile than J.T. And, you know, looks pretty calm and composed for a second-year guy. They also really like what they've seen out of Chase Jenkins, who's, you know, the third-team guy right now. He got in. Uh, when A.J. was sick against Texas Southern and couldn't play. So both of those guys are are competing and looking pretty good in practice. So, yeah, it'll be one of those two if J.T.'s unable to go, but they feel really confident about both of them. We're visiting with Matthew Bartlett. He is the editor of The Roost, the website that covers Rice Athletics. We had him on in the summer now, game week again. We're talking to him, previewing this game. Set for 6 o'clock local time, 7 o'clock Saturday night Eastern time if you're in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, Matthew, Luke McCaffrey, the numbers jump off the page, came in as a quarterback transfer originally from Nebraska and has just excelled as a receiver. So what are the things that make him so special for Rice? I think that's the most exciting part, the fact that this is his only second season playing wide receiver. You know, he, he joked coming into last year that the only time he'd really spent catching passes was in the backyard with his dad and his brothers. So to see him kind of transform into – a guy who, I mean, he was Pop-Tarts catch of the week against Houston a couple of weeks ago and had another one against Texas Southern. He just, he is, he has a quarterback brain and he has the athleticism of a skilled position player. So when you combine both of those things together where knowing where he's supposed to be, knowing all the different route combinations and what he's supposed to be doing with the athleticism, it gets really exciting. So he's the go-to guy in this offense and, and for good reason. Rice averaging 35 points a game. You know, the, the names we've already talked about have had a lot to do with that. But what are some other pieces of this offense, maybe some wild cards outside of the big names like JT and McCaffrey that the Pirates should be aware of? I think he, at the receiving threats, Ross and McNeil is a guy who has kind of come along slowly with the transfer of Bradley Rosner to NC State this offseason. Rice has kind of had to try and find a new X receiver. Rawson did really, really well last weekend against South Florida, had another catch that, you know, could have been sports center top 10 if you know, that game ends differently. So he's one. Bowden Groen, their tight end, is going to be in a lot of split situations. He'll be out wide and they'll use him in the passing game. And then the running game, Dean Connors is probably the name to circle. He had an 80 yard touchdown reception last week. And, you know, as the running game has not gotten going to where they want on the ground, you know, I think you'll still see a lot of Dean catching the football and moving around. Uh, the last guy is Dalen Alexander, who has become, you know, the go-to short yardage guy and has uh, leads the team in, in rushing touchdowns earlier in the season. Yeah, we were talking with, with the ECU coaching staff yesterday after practice, and you know, they had a couple of questions about how Rice has struggled to run the football, but at the same time, they're like, look, Coach Bloomgren 
offensive line background and, and Coach Houston, like Coach Bloomgren has talked about, they've got a, a deep pass given their connections when uh, Bloomgren was at Catawba College here in North Carolina and Coach Houston was a high school coach. But they know that they can't just approach this despite what the numbers say and just focus on the pass because – I'm sure Coach wants to get the running game going. I don't know if it'll it'll be the strength of this offense, but how much of an emphasis do you feel like that is, whether it's this week or just at some point in the season, they want to run the football better as well? It's been really interesting to hear the evolution of Mike Boonwin on, on the running game because in years past, you would have seen a guy who was really committed to being balanced in every sense of the word, you know, like 50% pass, 50% run. But even in his time with the media this week, when he was talking with us, he basically said, he's like, look, I don't really care about being balanced. I care about being able to run the ball when we want to run the ball and be able to pass the ball when we want to pass the ball. So, you know, as long as JT is out there, I think you're going to see an offense that, you know, veers a bit more towards throwing the ball than running the ball than a Rice offense we've seen in the past. But at the same time, Rice has one of the highest conversion rates on – you know, fourth and one, third and two, that those kind of short yardage situations in the country. So as long as they can be efficient and get that one yard and bully you on the ground, I think they'll be comfortable saying, hey, you know, we're not running for A to carry. We're going to find some ways to manufacture, you know, whether that be a screen or a short pass or a slant or something like that. We've got Matthew Bartlett, editor of The Roost, with us. Covers Rice football and the defense giving up 32 points a game. They've played some stiff competition. We know how good Houston is. Uh, we know Texas clearly can score. And uh, USF seems to have found some with their new coach and new offensive scheme. So how much of those numbers are due to the competition? And, uh, you know, also just Rice trying to fix some issues on the, that side of the football. Well, I think going into the year, the secondary was the one that I, the part, the unit on this team that I probably had the most concerns about. And I think through four weeks, I think a lot of those concerns have been validated uh, against USF. They had a guy who finished second in uh, the American Conference history in receiving yards, which is not something you ever want to see uh, from your defense. So I think a lot of that's real. The question that I'm trying to sort out is figuring out, especially with both of those games in Houston, they had a bunch of, you know, offensive miscues and, and penalties that kind of kept their defense on the field for basically the entire second half. And they got run down against USF. Maybe that tempo and that spacing kind of threw them off and got a lot of open guys. So I'm still trying to sort out and figure out how much of this is endemic to, you know, like a big systematic issue and how much was it just weird circumstances. So I, I don't think this is going to be an elite secondary, but I think the pass rush is elite. And so if you can combine both of those and kind of find the middle of maybe you don't have to be perfect on the back end, uh, but can you be good enough, get enough havoc plays where you can mask over and be better than you've been in the past couple games? Yeah, I was just watching some of their games and looking at the numbers. Their front, like you said, the front's good. And Josh Percy and the Braylon Carroll, they really jump off the page. Are they kind of the leaders up front? And is that an area Rice hangs his hat on? Yeah, those two guys and then uh, Coleman Coco, a, a transfer they brought in this offseason, they've just been, you know, home wreckers getting in and getting to the quarterback. It's, it's the what happens when they're not able to get home that I think has been scarier. But, yeah, the front is as good as it's ever been. And they, they sent the guy to the NFL last year and had a couple other veteran guys leave. So the fact that they've been able to retool so successfully has been has been really exciting. Matthew Bartha with us from the Roosts. A couple more things we get you out here, Matthew. So, huge win over Houston, of course, going to the Big 12. Uh, the Owls pulled that off in overtime. 
you know, what was that like for this program, Coach Bloomgren? I believe in year six that that maybe was a marquee win for him, and and uh, you know, new conference, big year for the Owls at that time. How big was that win, and how much do you think that could potentially kind of kickstart them to a really good season? Well, I think it was massive. Rice had lost, uh, I believe, it was 18 Power 5 games in a row. They'd lost uh, six in a row at, at that time to, to Houston and hadn't won the bucket in a decade. So to be able to, to win that game, obviously it has all of the significance of you know the Power 5 win and the rivalry win, but also it kind of sets you up for you know a season that they kind of hope is going to be special. And so you get through 500 through conference play, or as the first four games, and you get some games coming up, a lot of them at home, a lot of them winnable. You don't face kind of the toughest, uh, you know, lows from the American until later in the year. So, you know, when you when you set up the ingredients for a special season, it's going to take a win or two that you can hang your hat on and say, hey, we did this, and kind of get some national attention. I think the Houston win was that for Rice. And, you know, uh, uh, interestingly enough, they'll be wearing their uh, powder blue Houston uniforms this coming weekend. ECU kind of, uh, I guess they claimed that one after beating UH a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'd noticed, I was just looking at a video, Matthew, about the the new uniforms, kind of similar to what Houston wore earlier this year. What's the the early fan reaction on those? They look pretty sweet, you know, uh, similarly to the Houston Oilers. I was was very skeptical when I kind of heard that that might be in the works, but especially you don't want to be the the knockoff of the knockoff, right? But once I saw them come out and how they did it, um, they look really, really clean. And the fans and folks that I've, I've talked to and people who have been texting me, they, they seem to really, really like it. So it's going to be fun when we get them out on the field on Saturday. All right, last thing for you as far as this game, it's kind of an interesting matchup because you got ECU offense, which has been struggling at times this year. The Rice defense has been vulnerable against the pass, and that's an area ECU has struggled at this point. Offensively, we talked about the JT Daniels situation, but it feels like a game where special teams could be key. So how, how are the Owls in the kicking game and the return game? I would have said a different thing a, a week ago at this point. They looked really, really good through their first three games, you know, converted on their kicks and were punting for a pretty good average. And then Saturday against USF was probably one of their worst special teams they have had in a long time. So I think at this point, you chalk it up to say, hey, that was anomaly. That was a bad day. Let's move on. But, yeah, it's definitely part of it, especially as you have two teams that really, I don't know, haven't got it into gear for more than a game or two here this season. So winning each phase is going to be important. (laughs) And if you can win special teams, you know, sometimes that's the extra edge you need in a game that might be pretty close. Matthew, we appreciate the insight on the Rice Owls. We'll see you in Houston here in a couple of days. Looking forward to ECU and Rice getting back at it in American Conference play. But thanks for the time. Absolutely. I'll take care. He's Matthew Bartlett. Check it out at theroost.com for the coverage of the Rice Owls. All right, Mark Yellock just stopped in studio. We'll have him after this coming commercial break as we dive further into Rice, former ECU defensive line coach, actually coached against Rice last year, so we'll get into that conversation. And more, this is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. We'll be right back. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in to Hoist the Colors on this Thursday edition of the show. We just talked to Matthew Bartlett from at the roost got a scatter report on the rice owls and uh our next guest coached against rice last year he is mark yellock and uh coach we haven't even talked to you yet we already got a shout out from a youtube commenter william he says shout out to coach yellock 
I played for him for one year at J.H. Rose. He is a great coach and leader of young men. So <laughs> That was used to my first year. So that was so your much. first year of coaching? Yeah, for one of my first years. That's why I started out. started out over there okay. at J.H. Rose. And, um, and, you know, Greg Thomas and, and Todd Light. I think he's back over there. Oh, yeah, right Todd Light. Yeah. He's always, always around. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good, good stuff there, William. The real question, William, is – what position did you play, and were you any good? So let us know. Maybe coach will remember you. Uh, but if he can withstand the, the coaching that I was doing back yeah. then, yeah, he, he, he was a, he was a good player. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Coach Yellock is with us, so we'll talk Rice here in a little bit, and we'll get into that because you coached against them as a member of the McNeese State coaching staff last year. Uh, but first off, Gardner Webb, ECU coming off the the big win, and look, we we. We knew going into the game, East Carolina had a good chance at a bounce back, but to go out and win 44 nothing, get a shutout, coach. First time at ECU in 23 years, that's a pretty big deal. I think I was on that, on that, on that team. Yeah, Duke. Yeah. Duke do that. I was on that team. Um, but no, I think what set everything else up is if you really look at it is that they got off to a fast start. If I'm not mistaken, that Garner Webb didn't get a first down until like the second quarter. Yeah, I don't even think they. Yeah, I don't so think they got a first down for a long time. Exactly. So they went three and out, three and out, three and out, and it set up the offense in good situations. And again, we talked about this, gosh, about two weeks ago about playing complimentary football and and be able to set up your offense so they can be able to be successful in certain situations. And I think they did a really good job of that and kind of kept that going. I know they, I know they were um, glad to get the, the shutout. I think that's that's always great. Um, Morale-wise, for for them, I think that's huge for them. Now they just got to see if they can continue to grow. I mentioned last week that, you know, you asked me last week how do you how do you bounce back? How do you go into the Garner Well Week? And I said last week that you cut things in half, and you you want to you want to make sure that you you cut the penalties in half. You you, you get more rushing yards. You you you, you minimize the mistakes and the and the, and the errors that you have done before. And then now you continue you continue that same math into this week too. I mean it doesn't change because you know the competition is a little bit better, you know, and you just have to make sure that you do a better job with that uh, in in the sense of controlling the controllables and making and making you know the the the, the routine plays. And I think that I think those are the the key things, especially when you go over at Rice and play over there, you know, on the road and everything. When you looked at the Gardner Webb game as a coach. It was kind of sloppy conditions, so you have to factor that in. But was there a phase of the game that stood out to you the most as far as ECU, as far as making those improvements? Well, the, 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 just, I just mentioned it, yeah. to be honest with you. That was, the, to me, the way they started out, and, and they basically said on the defensive side of the ball, and offense, because they scored too. I don't want to make it seem like I'm all on the defense. But the way the defense went three and out and three and out and three and out. And they never they, gave them a chance. They, they, you didn't give them a chance. You gave, you gave them no hope. And then, I mean, and, and that's, I think that's key in, in playing a team like that. You know, you don't want to linger around with them, get the explosive plays. And then the weather is the weather. Both teams are playing in it. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think there's any advantage to that at all, in my opinion. Shout out to Joey. Does yeah. ever, I mean, you know what? I, I, look, amazing. Shout out to Joey. Joey in that field, oh, and his crew, oh my goodness! I'm, I'm telling you now, now like I was sitting here watching in the third quarter, right? And I'm saying the field's gonna be, you know, it's about to get torn up, and I was just <laughs> no divots, no nothing. It's just almost as if, you know, saying it, it, it wasn't any rain. It's of course, crazy. it was slick, but it was right. it, it was just a different deal. It's crazy, man, and we go to so many 
other venues like this weekend at Rice, it'll be field turf, and especially in the Americans, so many teams have that turf, the artificial turf. But at ECU, it's natural grass. Joey Perry and his crew do a tremendous job. I know as players, they appreciate playing on grass. As coaches, y'all appreciate it too, just being able to go out there and have a good track like that. Coach Houston mentioned after the game, it's just those guys really don't get enough credit. No, they don't get enough credit. I mean, in, in the way that he does it, I mean, I. <laughs> He babies that thing. I can yeah. remember being over there. Look, you can mess around if you want to and go over there when it's, when he's working with it. He'll, he'll call you out and right. you, run you off the field, which, which needs to be done. You know, he does a phenomenal job for him. Yeah. The, uh, the shape it's in, whatever oh, he's man. doing, he needs to keep doing it. it so, uh, well, he's been doing it for years, man. There's no doubt. Cause the instant he the one that put the logo on there and everything yep, else he does like it that. All, yep. It's funny how that, I, the logo's sweet, man. But you see Garner Webb in that, in that logo oh, and everything yeah. like that. I was like, that kind of, I'm like, come on, dog. It ain't going to work. Come no. on, man. You can't, you can't be trying to take that from ECU. You can't put so. the dog on the, nah, on the, on the man. Come on, it's man. It's a big stretch. I mean, even NC State has tried to rip it off to a degree in Campbell. So it yeah. is what it is. ECU will always be the best with the, the North Carolina outline logo. Uh, Coach, we saw Flynn, Alex Flynn, make some plays in the first half. He had a big passing play to just side Hatfield. And then Mason Garcia, I thought, came in the second half and looked Really, as good as he's looked thus far at ECU. I think you know what it's 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 a, it's kind of a perfect storm because then now here, here's what you do in a sense: the defense allows you to be able to, and I say the defense, it's a, it's a team win. Don't get me wrong, but what I mentioned before about the three and outs and everything else and setting the offense up allows them to get enough points on the on, on the board so you can feel comfortable in the fourth quarter, so you can be able to get reps with both your quarterbacks, and so you can get guys going and, and kind of get some familiarity with with Garcia, get him on. Getting him on, on some plays underneath his belt that, that, you know, in the future that you may want to kind of present out there. Um, I think that's pretty good. Um, looking at the game, that's kind of what I thought initially when I saw him coming in the game. So that's good. He's going to get about maybe about 20, 25, you know, whatever, how many snaps he got. And just to get some, some things underneath his belt and some things that he, they can put on film for other teams to kind of work with. And, and, and cause look, I'm, I promise you, every team that, that, that's going to be playing ECU, they're going to be looking at that film and cutting that up and, and, and practicing on those things if, um, and which is, which is good for ECU. Right. I mean, we talked to ECU defensive coordinator Blake Carroll last night as we kind of transitioned to Rice and there's uncertainty surrounding the status of JT Daniels, we just talked to Matthew Bartlett. It kind of sounds like it might be a, a game-time decision for JT. I'm sure Rice has an idea of whether he's going to play or not, but they're not going to tell ECU they shouldn't. There's no mandated injury report in college football. So ECU's got to prepare for him. They've got the backup, A.J. Padgett, who's a more mobile version but a redshirt freshman. they got a freshman who is just a true freshman dual-threat guy. So – Preparing for three quarterbacks as a defensive coach, how much does that drive you crazy? Well, you know what? You prepare for the system and you prepare for the for for what you know is the standard concepts within their scheme. You know, every team's gonna run inside zone, every team's gonna run quick game, RPO ish type stuff. They got route combinations that they they like to do that's not gonna change. Um so you take you take the, the most the more populated plays that they have and you practice on those. And of course, you know, JT Daniels is not. We we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. He's not a scrambler. He's you know I'm not saying he, he's not like Marshall guy. Um, Definitely not. Uh, you know so and he's not like the App State guy. Um, so so he's more of a thrower. And then you have the other guys who are who are I'm pretty sure just pretty more, a little bit more mobile mm-hmm. than than what he is. 
So, so what you have to do is you get ready for the zone read, get ready for some of the, the, the zone read actions, the power reads, the, those type of th- the concepts for those quarterbacks. And you, and you do those things as a, as a offensive coach to kind of, kind of make the game a little bit easier to read in the back end. Cause then you zone read it and then now it allows the quarterback to have that little split second to see if he can either get the ball off or, or run it, or if it's RPO to, to get the right coverage, whatever the scenario may be, it makes it easier looks, easier reads for the quarterback sometimes. And I, I think that's I think that's what App State was doing initially too when they when they initially started versus Carolina, they were doing that for 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 um, their quarterback. So, me personally, again, I don't want to jinx anything. Right. I'm going in and thinking that they're gonna they're gonna play with Daniels, and, yeah, and, but I don't have anything. Way, right? Yeah, you got to approach it that yeah. way because I don't. Again, I don't. I don't. I ain't looked at no film. I don't look at anything like that. I just. I just know that if it, it was, if it was very serious, I, don't, I think that they would definitely count him out. Mm-hmm. And you won't know until you get out there in, in, into warmups and see if he's in the uniform or not. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, where if he he's got some sort of leg injury, I don't know if it's knee or ankle. I've heard both, but either way, uh, it's his right leg. And but he's not. He doesn't really move anyways. I mean, he's a pocket guy, so. If you're Rice, you're almost like, all right, if he can stand up and we can max protect him, you just you play. You play him and you figure it out. But that's the thing about the offense that they're running. You know, if they're more of a throwing offense right now, correct? You know, so they had like, what, 400-something yards throwing the ball last week? Last week they had 492 yards of offense and 491 were passing. Gotcha. And and, and I know fans are saying, wow, that's a lot of yards passing. But you got to look at the attempts, too. and I don't know the the stats of that, but you got to look at the attempts and see how many times they actually threw the ball compared to running the ball. So, you know what I'm saying? So we talked about it yesterday. You know, you can have those big stats, but if you, <laughs> but if you're, if you're passing the ball five, 500 times and getting 400 yards, right. do, you know, do that. You know what I'm saying? What's the rate on that? But anyway, but, but with the type of offense they're running, quick throws and the way these game is now, you're right. If they can hold up on the pass and they can get the ball off, you know, with quick throws and, and, and everything else, I think that's spread you out, hit quick throws. Um, that's the reason why I think that he get, that he he will play is because of the type of offense it is. It'd be different if he was a running quarterback and they were zone reading and they were doing a lot of quarterback run game with him. Um, then I would be like, mm, it's a toss up, right? But to me, if he's he's always traditionally been that type of quarterback, he's been a pocket guy, even you know from West Virginia, mm-hmm. which was an air raid team that he was coming from. From Graham Harrell was the co- um, coordinator. Um, he didn't do a lot of running. It was it was it was quick throw, you know, three steps, all those type of things to get the ball out of his hand quick. And I think that's kind of what if he does play, I think that's right. what you got to get ready for. So Max actually, protection. yeah, they had fifty three pass attempts or dropbacks for seventeen design runs. So, and their coach said basically, look, we knew we could throw it. It turned into that sort of game. So they may feel like they can do that against ECU, or the opposite may happen. You know, yeah. there's always a filling out stage. I feel like from a viewer perspective in that first quarter where like kind of the both coordinators there's a little bit of a chess match to kind of see you know once you especially once you get past the scripted plays from the offenses they're kind of a chess match seeing hey how, how are they approaching us this week as opposed to what they maybe shown on film you know here's what i look at it you know if, if jt jt daniels is playing let, let's get him on a let's get him on a move. Right, try you know to, what I'm saying? Try like, that's, yeah, exactly. What I mean by that is, is get him off the spot. It's not, you might necessarily try to. You know, of course, you're always trying to sack him, right. but you're trying to get him off his dot. Get him. Of course, you're playing a little bit tighter coverage, so the quick throws ain't there, and, you, and make sure that he's going through his reads. Um, 
playing aggressive on that end and basically get him to see if he can if he can actually move and throw. Right. And and if that's the case, I think that's that's where you start from. You know, and again, I haven't watched film. I haven't watched Rice in the sense of the way these coaches has. Um, I preference it as always preference it as that because as fans, we always we look at ESPN cock the have games, takes, and then all yeah. of a sudden we have a we now all of a sudden we mail Kiefer in in, in, <laughs> in in our thought processes. But that's not the case at all. You know, these coaches are actually looking at coaching copy of tapes, and it's a little bit different world in that situation. So I, I preference everything that I say based upon that. Um, but I would definitely get him on the move. See if he can actually run around and go, and you know, saying and if that's the case, because he he does kind of, I don't know, he's a good quarterback on the move throwing the ball. That's right. right that's re, put like this. That's a reason why he's at Rice. Right. He's you know transferred three times previously. It's a reason why he's at. This thing, you know, he, he's doing good now, but it's a reason why he's transferring. It ain't because he's, you know, saying if he was killing it, he'd still be at West Virginia if I if, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, he 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 lost the job at those previous stops and. Clearly talented, but there there is a reason there, and and two, it's yeah he's a pocket guy, but still, if you have a leg injury, you got to be able to plant, and you got to have that pocket presence. And watching some last week of USF, he's very good at just kind of stepping around and evading the rush. How much does that change if he's a little banged up in the the lower half too? Well, he will still do his same process. Yeah. He's just going to lean more into it. It's it's up to the defensive line in, in that case in order to move him off his dot. It's up for the defensive line or, or the pressure that you're presenting to to this offense. And to make sure everybody talks about lanes and everything else, that you're doing a good job of, of corralling the quarterback to a particular spot that you're trying to, um, that you know that he can have escape out of. So as a defensive line, when you when you pass rushing, and you you're attacking pressure on the quarterback, you're trying to, you know that first of all, you know where you don't want him to escape from. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's based upon the coverage, right. based upon what you have as as, as, a, as a as a blitz or as a as a pass rush. You're, let's say that you're trying to make the quarterback step up into the B gap. It's just almost like have you ever hunt before? And I, you know, hunt I'm not deer a and stuff like that. Right, well, maybe <laughs> I, and I'm not and I'm not. And I just use this generic right. version. But most teams, you know, I mean, not most teams. When you hunt with dogs, like the dogs go out chase the, chase the animal. But do you chase the animal to where you're at? Right. Right. Or either either the dogs identify where the, where the animal is at, or it chases the animal to where you're set up. You're positioned that so you can make the kill. So it's so, and it's sort of, I don't mean to say kill, right. that's a strong word, but that's kind of the same scenario that you do when people talk about pass rushing lanes that you do. So to, to kind of answer your question there, you try to make him step up into the pocket where you know you can cover him at. So are you a big hunter? No, I'm not, but I've been around it a little right. bit. I mean, I've been around and I've seen people do it, so that's the reason why. I, I, and this is a fair analogy. Yeah, right? it's 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 through experience, man. Right. I'm, I'm getting old now, so I'm 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 coming from all the different Got plenty angles. of examples. All different from. examples, man. You can tell when you're getting old when you start doing those things. All right, he's Mark Kellogg. Let's take a break. We'll be right back and we'll talk about uh, his experience coaching at Rice in the past and also coaching against him last year. We'll get into some of that on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Check out the Hardy Show host. 194.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. Thursday, September 20th edition. We are uh, two days out from kickoff East Carolina Rice. Coach Yellock is breaking it down in between the breaks. We need to do like a chalkboard session on YouTube one day or something so you can yeah, that'd be get, good. get back in your element. Man. Oh, man, I'm always in the element. Man. <laughs> I will always love to talk ball and and also to learn too. It's not that it's not the fact that I know everything. It's just the fact that you know I just I love the I love the the art 
and it is right. an art. I love the art of, of coaching and, and learning and just the whole process. So. Well, I enjoy taking lessons, so it's, uh, I appreciate the insight, man. But, uh, all right, so last year you coached at this stadium as part of McNeese State's coaching staff. You coached there with Ruff. I, probably not the best memories in the world, yeah. given how the game went, but at least yeah, you, you have some experience. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that memory, it's not really good memories there um, at, at that stadium yeah. at all. It, it's funny, I, even at UNT when I was there, we lost there too. I think we won one one time there, but we we lost there in nineteen too. So it's it's not a um, not a good memories in the, in, that, in that stadium at all. But they, you know what? They've done a good job of fixing that stadium up. Last year they, the years before it would look kind of you know kind of right. old, but they did a really really good job of kind of fixing the locker rooms are still the same. Now again, I don't know how it looks this year, but the locker rooms are still always been the same. But they've done a good job of breaking in the infield part of it and kind of doing some things around there. I thought I thought they did a pretty good job with that as we put new turf on there. It's, it's, um, they got they, plenty of money, so they should be able to do it. They got one of those blow up indoor facilities, um, oh, really? right outside the stadium too. So I mean, so they, they, well, first of all, it's right. So you know, they got the endowments and everything else with those with those type of guys. Yeah, looking at it, so the Rice Stadium, and I knew as soon as Coach Bloomgren watching his press conference, he referred to it as historic Rice Stadium. Anytime you refer to a stadium like that, you're just saying it's incredibly old. And uh, has some faults because I remember they used to call Legion Field historic Legion Field and at UAB, and that was you want to talk about an absolute dump. Oh. Was, what do you what do you remember before we get into this stadium? What do you remember about playing at UAB? Another just I remember the, stadium like that. Well, I remember the I remember coming out and you got the 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 the, the fence when you come out of oh, it, yeah. and and well you re, you remember the fact that. And until recently, when Clark did, it was Clark, right? Yeah, His Bill last Clark. Coach, Bill Clark, he did a good job over there. But even before then, it was like nobody's there. Right. It you bad. know, it's just bad, and you just you can you can you can yell out the call, or you can say, "Hey, watch out, it's three by one." Right. And the guy yeah, on the other hash, other guy on the other hash, can get the adjustment from the sidelines. But um, but no, it's it's no, you know, it's. It's ball though. You don't right. worry about that. Once the game gets going, you kind of yeah, forget about yeah, that it. stuff gone. That stuff fades. Like, really, to be honest with you, once you get out there and you go, kind of go through the. Once you, you know, you get out there when you first get there from the hotel, you look around. Oh, this, 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 and then, and then from that point, once you put your coaching gear or your football equipment on, you zone out. You focus on what right. you got to do in order to win. Rice Stadium seats 70,000 people, uh, according to Wikipedia. So we'll see how many people are actually there. I'm going to guess. Ten thousand actual people there. You know what? It may be well. It may be a little bit more. It ain't gonna be seventy. Nah, it won't be seventy. That's for sure. It won't be seventy. But I mean, it's it's you know it's it's in it's in the, in the, in a not downtown Houston, but it's in in a in a nice area in Houston. The whole area around there is really nice. Right. Um. I used to I used to recruit in recruit in Houston for years. So I've, I've kind of know it, it's some good ball around there. They got some good Houston players in that area. Um. That that that's on that team and. They do it. They do it. They've done a good job in the past. It's not the same Rice, old Rice teams that you you may think of. I mean, they got some good athletes on this team, um, skill wise. Number ten, McCaffrey. Yep. Yeah, he's really he's daggone good now. Uh, he, I hope I hope the staff understands that his speed. He has some really good speed. It may be deceptive on on film, but in he'll real life, yeah, he'll he'll run by you. He's athletic. I mean, of course, he's got good genes. But um, the, the DNA also speaks for itself. Right. But um, but it, no, he's a good player. But um, no, it's it's a it's a Rice is a good it's a, it's a good good program that you can't sleep on. They, they they really they do a really good job in recruiting for for who they can actually get. 
What do you remember about last year's game? Same offensive staff. Now, we talked earlier with, with Matthew Bartlett, and we talked yesterday just talking some ball. I mean, they're doing stuff a lot different with JT Daniels, but what do you remember about kind of scheme, play style, that sort of stuff, playing them last year? Well, you know, I, I, they, they're, they're completely different. Now, you just mentioned that they passed the ball 400 yards. It's like, well, the rights that I used to know from UNT, because they used to be in our conference whenever we played the UNT, and um and what we played last year. So I've been playing Rice for years. Um, they were a big twelve personnel, unbalanced formations, you know, tight ends, you know, running power counter, um, run the ball at you, you know, play action, max protections, tick shots. They're getting a shotgun too, don't get me wrong. They get their spread concepts yeah. too. But it was more geared to um to their strengths. And I think their strengths in the past was the old line, because we mentioned this before. They were senior heavy last year. Not senior heavy, but they had a lot of experience. Right. In their in their old line, um, and maybe that with the transition with JT and having a new quarterback, having new having some good receivers that they have out there, um, maybe that's kind of they kind of playing towards JT's strengths, which is passing the ball and everything else. Which, which you know, and I'm pretty sure they still have their 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 um, twelve personnel and everything else because that's just within that's embedded in in, in the things that they do. They, they don't go away from that. Yeah, and their coach has the NFL background, coach under Harbaugh at Stanford, so they're always going to have that personnel packages as well. Coach Harrell, Blake Harrell, the defensive coordinator for ECU, said yesterday they're one of the few teams that still huddles and goes to the line. And, and with McCaffrey, basically, you know, they want to know where he is at all times. But with them huddling, and then they'll motion him basically right before the snap to get a matchup. Yep. How tough is that to prepare for as a defensive coach? Because you want to know where he is. You can't really see, maybe you know, unless they go no huddle until they get to the line, which is different than a lot of college teams now. Well, you know, it, it's they do a lot of they do a lot of motioning and stuff like that. But teams do that is, is to you know, of course, to see what kind of coverage you in. Mm-hmm. A lot of the quarterbacks just kind of see what the rotation is and how you adjust to it. Um, do you bump over with the linebackers? Do you are you are you rotating with the safeties or somebody's traveling with them or whatever the scenarios may be? They, so they can get a pre read on it. And you are exactly right. So they can get matchups too. Well, you just go through your rules of your coverage. You know, you you, you got the film. You can you, you can either motion this way, that way, or, or, zing, or zigzag back. Right. You know, so so you have those things. So you go through your rules within your coverage that you have, and you just kind of try to make sure that you are are, are in a good matchup in that situation. There, there's they have certain situations where they motion, and certain situations when they don't. There's some situations, and you just know that by again watching the coaching film and having that. Um, at your disposal, and then that's how you game plan through those things. But motions and everything else goes through the rules of your coverage that you have that you've been talking about ever since spring ball. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's get adjusted there. Now, again, the type of coverage you call is based upon that, too, you know, based upon what the route combinations you get also. ECU's defense is, under Coach Harrell, is pretty, I should say, very multiple, and they do a lot of different things, and they, they try to disguise coverages as, you know, a lot of defenses try to do that, but What's the balance, Coach, in terms of you want to disguise things, make it difficult for the other offense, but you also you don't want to create confusion for your own defense where there's a lot going on. So, like, what's that balance? Like going to a game day where you're planning to try and disguise some things maybe? Well, first of all, if, you, if you're trying to disguise something on game day, then you – or not just necessarily game day or game week, yeah, I don't know. If that's, you're not going to get a lot – that's where you're asking for some trouble. Right. Most of your disguises and most of your things are for, you think about those things in spring. You think about those things in the off season. You think about those things when you're doing in fall camp. And it's all about concepts, right? 
it is a concept it's a concept deal and it's based upon whatever position it is that position may have several different alignment rules that he can use in order to get his job done you know what I'm saying so so based upon and that could be based upon the coverage so what we what we have to understand is you look at the coverage you look at a defensive scheme right a corner has this alignment he may have he can show disalignment by being that alignment you know what I'm saying but right. by the ball snaps or by the, by the action of the receiver he has to get to this you know, so he has different rules to that. So I don't think – but what you have to do as a coach, you, you have to kind of circumvent that for the kids. You can't let there be free will. You have to circumvent it and then and practice it and make sure we all on the same page and everybody's on the same page from the secondary for the linebackers to the corners to the safeties and everybody's on the same page with that. Um, and I think that's how it, that's how you work on it. I mean, those, those rules are already established. Mm-hmm. If you Now, it, it may be some new coverages right. that you may put in, but even with the new coverages that you may put in based upon what the kind of right combinations they may have, it's still the same, same rules that, that you, alignment rules. And that's what it is, is alignment rules that you're doing from there. So you basically have kind of your base plays or disguises in that you work on all offseason. Then you get to maybe game week and say, hey, remember we worked on this all spring, summer, fall. Now we're going to do this. Anyway. And they're probably still working on those yeah. things. Those things that you don't go away from it. I mean, you, you still talk about those things. Those things are still in the back of the right. b- brains of the kids. And you probably have already been doing those things. It's just that you just need to, you know, either you, you're implementing even more and, and, and going from there. And, and you pick and choose those situations too. You know, sometimes you just want to line up in and say, hey, look, you know what? We're playing man. Come beat us. Yeah. yeah, beat it. We're coming at you. We're playing man up. What's up? Or we play zero. What's up? Or hey, we're gonna drop eight on you. Figure you know what it out. Saying? Figure it out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you, you give and take with those situations, I and mean, you do it in the situation and the way they play the defense. You see how they're all bunched up at the line sometimes, and they, they, they get out, disperse out. Sometimes they blitz. So you you, you got to even ebb and flow of all those things, and it's kind of an ebb and flow, and try to disrupt the kind of fluidity of, of the quarterback. So it's not always okay. Yeah, they. That safety's going to do this, and that safety's going to do that. Now you, you're changing things up. And if it's J.C. Daniels, he's going to be hard to trick, given his experience. If it's one of the younger guys, maybe you can trick one of those guys a little easier. Well, anybody can get tricked, yeah. and it's all about your disguise and how right. you do things. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you can look at film all you want to. And that's the reason why you have to do a good job of looking at self-scout stuff, too. Yeah, because you make, can't give it away. Yeah, you know, well, you look at self-scout to make sure that what you've been doing, mm-hmm. all right, you ain't tipping your hat also. It's not, you know, you, you look at self-scout and say, all right, Every time we call cover blank, that safety's been here. Well, if you can see that, I'm pretty sure your opponent can see that also. They got the same cut up. So you, you do also do that. That's another thing you do is you look at what you've already done and you kind of, all right, every time we call this line stunt, the daggone three technique is head up on the guard. All right, so now let's, let's see if we can get him not, not tipping the whole situation here. All right, he's Mark Yellow. Let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll talk keys to victory and more on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me what's happening. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. It's our final segment on this Thursday. Coach Mark Yellock is in studio, former ECU student athlete and assistant coach with us every Thursday this season. It's a pleasure to have him in the studio. Coach, Rice is averaging 35 points a game. We talked about the J.G. Daniels situation. Assuming he plays, I think E.C. is going to have to score some points offensively Saturday 
to win. I know as coaches, maybe y'all don't look at it that way, but never look at it that but way. You talk to a defensive <laughs> coach now, so no. But come on now, like <laughs> at some point, UCF's got to go score like thirty plus offensively right to win a football game. Well, I mean, they just got to play. They got to play complimentary football. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, there are some games that you re- the offenses you rely on the offense more than you do on the defense, and vice versa. I mean, all, special teams too, because it's always it's always three sides, really four sides. The other side is the sideline. Yeah, rough but, um, oh, right oh, there. Yeah, it, it, it is, but <laughs> it's the truth. Four sides of the ball. Yep, it's the truth. But um, but no, um, I just think that they just need to keep keep doing what they did. You know what I'm saying? So get better on offense, keep on making plays and, and, and execute, making routine plays. Okay, again. Get the running total up, right? right? Run the freaking ball, take the pressure off the quarterback, get in manageable third-down situations, okay? Um, really do a good job on defense getting off the field on third downs. Remember, what worked in Garner-Webb is going to continue to work if they keep the same recipe. You go out there, ECU goes out there and go three and out, three and out, three and out, start out the game. Get get. We used to say this right here. If you go four three and outs, it's a turnover. And as you go three and out four times, that's a turnover. And it, and it makes sense because it, it's, it's, you're flipping the field and you're putting your offense in good situations. So if the defense can get four three and out, not totally, we want more, of course. But if we can get four three and outs and, and, and get, put our offense in good situations, I, I think we'll be in good shape. No matter what, it's not about Rice, in my opinion. It's about what we can do in order to get better, to grow as a team, to grow as a, as a, as, as, as a continuity with the, with the quarterbacks and offense and the defense and everything else. That's how I look at it. Conference opener for East Carolina, and you know, the, the, for the most part, the approach will stay the same. But as a coach, do you like say anything different to the guys as far as it being a conference game versus non-conference, or is it just well understood at this point what this game means? Well, right now, it's well understood. And you got to you on the road, so you got to it, it means it means something a little bit more, but you just got to win the game. You just got to take each week as at a time, especially the situation they're in. Just take each week at a time. Don't over dramatize a game and just play and get better as a unit. Again, it's about it's about what we do, not about what they do. And lastly, seven p.m. kickoff Eastern, six Central. When you're at the hotel all day, we got about thirty seconds left uh, for for you, um, like. How much can you do extra prepare, or, or do you just try and take your mind off football if you're a player? Well, we, as a player, we just watch watch other people play, watch your boys play this yeah. on TV, basically. That's what you do. Get off your feet and just sit back and, and, and keep your nutrients going and get treatment if you need treatment and stuff for the game. And as, you, you're getting on the road. It's a 6 o'clock game, but you get ready at 2 o'clock. Right. So you're at the, you're on the way to the stadium four hours before. Yeah, so. four four hours before you eating pregame meal and everything else. It's not as long as people think. Good stuff. Well, Coach Yellock, we appreciate it, man. Hopefully, ne- so next Thursday it'll be a bye week for ECU. Hopefully, we're recapping another win and keeping this thing rolling. Oh, we will. Yeah, it's go Pirates, man. Cheer for East Carolina. Cheer on for OEC, right? <laughs> and if the Pirates win, we'll have you sing the fight song next Thursday. No, we'll no. Do you know the fight song? Cheer for East Carolina, cheer for ODC. Do you know a whole – Loyal and bold. No, see, we got them. Got them. Got (laughs) them. I don't know if I know all the words, but I know the main words. You got to, man. I'll figure it out by next (laughs) – I I got the cadence down. That's the main point. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll be back Friday, 12 noon, final game picks, final preview with Joe Sampson and Philip Pilkington. This has been fun. Thanks again, Mark. We will talk to you guys uh, on Friday, 12 noon. 
This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game. Fussell, fourth generation winemaker at Duple Winery and ECU Alumnus. 